Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, brought to you by AT&T, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Hear from the experts, including media covering upcoming opponents in the ACC, former Georgia Tech letter winners, and the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network crew. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. Well, Tech fans, it's time for some postseason football in this edition of From the Flats, Georgia Tech in Minnesota. We've got a lot in store for you leading up to Georgia Tech's December 26th, 5:15 kickoff against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. First time the Jackets taken on a Big Ten opponent since 2009. We'll visit with Andy Demetra and Sean Bedford, the play-by-play and color man crew for the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network. We'll also visit with Wes Durham, get his thoughts on head coach Paul Johnson's illustrious run at Georgia Tech. But first, we're going to visit with a member of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, Andy Greeter, who's going to give us the inside scoop on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Andy, you know the holidays can uh, create uh, some complicated scheduling along with basketball season, but thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No question. Well, with that, uh, tell us a little bit about where Minnesota football is at right now, wrapping up year number two of P.J. Fleck, and they're coming off a huge win against Wisconsin, snapping a 14-year losing streak to the Badgers. What's been the aftermath? Well, I think it's just an upswing of the program here. I think, I mean, you mentioned the fact that they haven't beat Wisconsin uh, since 2003, uh, and P.J. had lost to them last year. So I think you went into that game thinking uh, the tradition of losing to the Badgers is going to continue. And the Gophers were going to be without a bowl game for the second straight year under P.J. Fleck. But uh, he was able to get that win and, and do it resoundingly uh, against a Badgers team that is down. But it was also at their place, a place that the Gophers had won since 1994. So I think when you look at the overall picture of the Gophers, I think going from 5-7 and seven in P.J.'s first year to 6-6 six and six and beating an arch rival and getting to a bowl game, things are on the upswing at this point. We've seen two players uh, since that game, Donnell Green at left tackle and Blake Cashman at linebacker, who have opted to uh, sit out the bowl game, get ready for their next step in their careers at the professional level. Couple that with some suspensions as well. What do you anticipate uh, Minnesota having to overcome from a personnel standpoint uh, in a week? I think it's going to be uh, a challenge, especially given uh, what Georgia Tech does offensively. Blake Cashman has been the Gophers' uh, best tackler. He's had you know increasingly strong instincts and speed to get to the ball and has put together some of the best games of his career. Uh, towards the end of his senior year. So I think that loss is is really going to hurt the Gophers. Uh, you know, Donnell Green has been their uh, staple at left tackle uh, also for a couple of years, and he's been playing hurt. You know, so he had a meniscus repair done after the Wisconsin game and wanted to jumpstart his rehab process to get ready for <clears throat> the combine and pro days and things like that. So that's what his reason was. So, you know, two starters, two influential starters at key positions uh, will certainly put the Gophers – uh, shorthanded at that spot. The the suspensions, we're still trying to gather information about that. I'm not quite sure how that's going to affect the Gophers at this point. Uh, but when you're down two starters and maybe a couple other players, it's, uh, it certainly is going to be a challenge. One of the key positions on any team is going to be quarterback and still somewhat of a debate, I suppose, entering that Wisconsin game of who is going to be the heir to that throne going into the 2019 season. But Tanner Morgan, he started the last five straight and has performed quite well. What do you make of his performance, and, and is it pretty much safe to say he'll get the start uh, on Tuesday, or Wednesday, I should say? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that Tanner Morgan will get the start. I mean, he's shown to be uh, a winner. Uh, you know, he's won more more games than he's lost, and he's took over for Zach Enixed after he got banged up uh, middle of the year at Nebraska. So, 
Uh, you know, he's he's uh, shown an ability to to put it put the ball accurately. He's had a couple turnovers at times, uh, but he's shown also to kind of eliminate those in the win against Wisconsin and be kind of a game manager and make the smart play. So yeah, I think that he will play. But uh, you know, he's got some playmakers on the outside and Tyler Johnson, a, a first team All Big Ten wide receiver. Uh, Rashad Bateman, an electric uh, freshman who's actually out of the state of Georgia. And, uh, you know, Chris Altman-Bell, another wide receiver out of Illinois, uh, two younger guys. Uh, so they've got a complement of wide receivers. And, uh, you know, they like to do a short rhythmic passing game, a lot of slants, a lot of posts. And, uh, you know, they try to be balanced. But, yeah, I mean, Ibrahim uh, has been their third string running back here this year. And, and he's played well, uh, increasingly played well and, and pushed piles, even though he's not an imposing running back style. But, uh, yeah, they want to do – uh, more run pass options and, and uh, they're trying to convince the quarterback to keep it once in a while, which they have been uh, reluctant to do. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not the option attack that you guys are used to down there, but uh, uh, yeah, balance I think is the key. And, and those are some of the key players that uh, will be on the field. Well, let's bounce back to that option attack. Obviously you cover the team on a daily basis and, and hear a lot of, of what head coach PJ Fleck has to say. What has he said about defending the triple option? Any, uh, comments or anecdotes stick out to you from being around the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that it's going to, uh, certainly the time frame is going to give them uh, an opportunity to prepare fully for it. Um, I think it, they're going to be looking at, at changing up the way, the style of defense that they play. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be a challenge uh, for a, an, uh, a defensive coordinator that had his interim tag removed pretty much immediately after that win against the Badgers and Joe Rossi. Well, Andy, thanks again for the time. And, and for those uh, Tech fans that want to keep up on your coverage over the next week or so before uh, Wednesday's game, uh, where can they find you online and, and catch some of your material? Yeah, so the, the website is TwinCities.com, and uh, the Twitter handle is at Andy Greeter, A-N-D-Y-G-R-E-D-E-R. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Next up, we've got a Georgia Tech Hall of Famer, Wes Durham, joining us as he reflects on the 11-year career of Paul Johnson and shares his insight from the rest of the conference. This is the From the Flats podcast. First down give. This is Dwyer bouncing 45. John Dwyer, 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. The Diesels got another touchdown. And what a moment it was, one of several great calls throughout the career of West Durham, Georgia Tech Hall of Famer. We've got Wes joining us now. And Wes, you've got a really interesting perspective when it comes to coach johnson's career you were five years as the play-by-play voice mm -hmm. and then six years as the voice of the acc with all that in mind how do you put into perspective what he was able to accomplish relative to georgia tech and the conference as a whole Ooh, wally good question um i look at the georgia tech 11-year run for him as one that will get better as years go on because college football changed during his 11 years in a lot of different ways um, obviously great success early winning 20 games in his first two years um, you know regardless of the circumstances everybody remembers that night in Tampa and then going to the Orange Bowl and then when people thought it had kind of you know petered out so to speak then they come back in 14 and have that magical year that ends up you know playing in the ACC title game then going to the Orange Bowl uh, you know, the, the pick in the six or the kick in the six, a kick in the pick, whatever Brandon called it, you know, when it happened. Um, you know, I think of Paul most notably as having an unbelievable Hall of Fame college coaching career. Uh, 11 years of it at Georgia Tech, obviously what he did at Navy. If you go back and look in his career, 
at kind of where Georgia Southern was, where Navy was, kind of where Tech was, and then what he did in the ensuing years, you really see a, a pattern of unbelievable success. I'm incredibly proud of him. Uh, I think Georgia Tech's incredibly proud of him. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the stakes of college football, as I said, have really changed in his 11 years, and I think that will impact his legacy. Nobody can ever talk about anybody's legacy immediately. It's difficult, but I think down the road, um, you know, he, he's clearly in the College Football Hall of Fame. I think he'll be in Georgia Tech's Hall of Fame, just as he is at Georgia Southern. Because of what you do on a week-to-week -week basis, visiting with other coaches and across the league and getting kind of a, that bigger perspective, <laughs> a lot of people make points that coaches don't want to face his offense. It's difficult to defend. It's a pain. How much of that is, is significant behind closed doors when you're having those intimate conversations? Well, it's interesting. My job here in the last six years has gotten a lot different than it was for 18, yeah. right? Um, because I actually have developed friendships, and I have a great friendship with Paul, one that Vicky and I really value with he and Susan and, and their family. And, you know, we've gotten to know, you know some of it, their extended family and that kind of thing. It means a lot to us. Um, and it's one of the real, you know, we're, it, it's just not going to work for us to be in Detroit because we were going to try and come <laughs> uh -huh. to the game, and uh -huh. it, it's just not going to work with the holiday schedule. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Pat Narduzzi gave me something great one time, and this was a couple of years ago after they had played Georgia Tech. And Pat looked at me and goes, well, you work there, you know, and just gave me the, well, you work there line. And I thought, what do you mean? He goes, well, you work there. You know how hard it is. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I understand that. Um, and then there are those coaches who see it and have so much respect for it, but yet would never take that chance to put that offense in, to say, okay, I'm going to go do this. It gives us the best chance, or even put a wrinkle or two of it in. The respect level he has in the coaching community is, is really kind of second to none. When you think of all the people that have come through Atlanta and just kind of visited with him on the off chance, now some have become public, others have not. There are a lot more that have not become public from those that have. And I think it shows you that, you know, as he steps away from Georgia Tech and, and takes his next uh, chapter, you know, and I told him one time, you know, last summer, I said, you know, whenever you do shut this down, you're going to spend a lot of time, you know, visiting people who want to talk to you. And I think that'll be, you know, if, if he wants it to be, that'll be a big part of what he does next. Do you think we've seen the last of a Power 5 option football under center? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's way too much RPO influence in this now, way too much spread influence. There's always the chance, though, Wiley, that football will recycle itself, um, you know, much like the NFL does where everybody copies everybody from one week to the next in some respects. But I, I would say for the most part, yeah, right now the – the tendency is to get the athlete, put the athlete in space as much as you can, spread the defense out as much as humanly possible, try and get things to one-on-ones. Um, you know, they have an easier time doing that in college than they do in the pros. And I, I would say for the time being, you know, being tight, being compact in your offensive exchange would be a lot more difficult. So from what I'm hearing, there's a better chance they spread the field to 60, 65 yards wide than go back to uh... – <laughs> Yeah, I, look, I don't think they'll spread the field. I think they'll put players <laughs> next to the sideline. Yeah, I mean, you no, know, that, I think that's that's got a better chance to happen than, you know, more than anything else. Uh, you know, I, I just think his his thinking and his philosophy of football was so fascinating. You know, there's so many different things about Coach Johnson that, that just kind of trigger a very unique perspective. One is, and Brian Bohannon was the first person to ever tell me about this years ago. I mean, it was after the first or second year in Atlanta. And we were talking about the bus ride from the hotel on game day into the stadium. And I said, how's that bus ride go? 
And at the time, I was actually thinking about trying to put somebody on the bus for a TV show piece. Okay. And he said, well, it's actually not that good. He said, Paul usually sits in the front and doesn't talk to anybody. And I said, why is that? And he said, and I asked Paul, I said, well, I hear you don't talk to anybody on the bus. He said, well, I'm playing the game. <laughs> because I'm thinking about the game. I'm thinking how the game might go. And so that led me to then ask, so there's where, you know, the call sheet and all that stuff, sending the plays in, stuff like that. You know what, he, the number one thing he deserves more credit for than anything else, Wiley, is the ability to commit to something and stay with it, despite everybody telling him it wouldn't work. And, and he's got a body of work now where you sit there and go, he's been doing this for 30-odd years, coaching for 40, and it's done nothing but work. And that, to me, is almost like the, the core you know, pillars of what Georgia Tech has been about. And I think that's kind of interesting. Well, Wes, thanks again for the time. Before we let you go, what's, what's your favorite memory? You guys obviously spent a lot of time <laughs> together for five years as the play-by-play voice. Yeah. And even now, that friendship's still going on. What, yeah. what is your favorite memory from Coach Johnson when it comes to his run at Georgia Tech? Um, well, the football, my favorite football memory is 2008 in Athens because um, I'll never forget the look on the players' faces in that locker room. Uh, and, you know, it had been a while since it had happened, eight years. And – to see Paul's look after the ball game and Jeff Munkin and guys like that, Brian Bohannon, um, Roddy Jones, uh, Jonathan Dwyer, Derek Morgan, uh, Michael Johnson. I mean, I just remember the look on their faces in the locker room that night. Um, and I thought that was fascinating. I really did. Um, my favorite memory with him, oh, God, we got pockets well, of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've had we've had a lot of fun together. When I was still at Georgia Tech, we, you know, used to do the caravan around the state, and uh, we'd always ride together. And one time we had uh, Paul Hewitt was still coaching, <laughs> and Paul Hewitt rode in the back, and Johnson and I rode in the front, <laughs> and Hewitt asked Johnson basketball questions the whole trip. <laughs> It was it was a, it was an unbelievable exchange. It was just an unbelievable exchange. But we had we had a lot of laughs that night too. I think we were going to Columbus, and Hewitt got in the back of the car to ride home with us. And he was always on the cell phone, as everybody knows, in his coaching career. He still is. But uh, he asked Paul Johnson more basketball questions. And Paul was fixing college basketball to Paul Hewitt. Paul Johnson was fixing college basketball to Paul Hewitt, which was an unbelievable, unbelievable. discussion. Yeah. Well, uh, good. And speaking of basketball, we'll have you down in the flat yeah, in a bit, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be there for the ACC opener. And, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Tech fans, no joke now, you may get sick old West by the end of the season. Uh, hard, right now I got nine that. of them. I nine got nine of them. Of them. Okay. So uh, you'll, uh, you'll see me for Carolina. You'll see me at Duke. You'll see me for Clemson, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, <laughs> NC State. Oh, God. I, I'm sorry. I am real sorry. Anytime we can get a Georgia Tech Hall of Famer on the air, it's good news. Well, thanks. Wes, thanks again for the time. I look forward to seeing you this spring. Thanks, Wiley. Thanks, Wes. All right, we come back. We'll hear from Andy Demetra and Sean Bedford. Get their thoughts on Georgia Tech and Minnesota. 5-15 kick in Detroit. He fields it. A step inside the goal line and takes it out. Cuts to his left at the 10. He's at the 15. Open space at the 20. A juke 25-30. 35-40. Down the middle of the field. 50. 45-40. 35-30. 25-20. 15-10. Wanye Thomas. Cut down into the end zone. Touchdown Jackets. That's why he's here. Because that's what he does 100 yards Wanye Thomas and another big time highlight from Wanye Thomas his second consecutive game with a kick return for touchdown 
Andy Metra and Sean Benford joining us now. And, and guys, obviously, since that kick return uh, and the season's final game, a lot has happened. And so uh, the first question for me, guys, is when you look at Coach Johnson's career and his run at Georgia Tech, what does this final bowl game mean for the Georgia Tech community? Well, I think it's going to be, have an opportunity to be a celebration of really an era in Georgia Tech football. When you look back on everything that Coach Johnson has done over the years, it's remarkable. And I think um, this is one last chance for these players to go out and uh, go out there and play for their head coach. And, you know, as someone who also played for Coach Johnson, you know, I, I look at this as an opportunity for them to not only play for themselves uh, and what their relationships with Coach Johnson have meant, but also play for all of us who have come before it and really salute him for everything he's done for this program, uh, taking it to extreme heights, to two Orange Bowls, uh, to three ACC championship game appearances. Um, you know, I, I believe to the, the fourth most wins of any uh, coach in Georgia Tech history. It's it's truly remarkable, and I think we need to take advantage of this chance to look back on his time on the flats and, and really celebrate all of his accomplishments. And hopefully uh, the bowl game will give one last opportunity to see the option that Paul runs bewilder and puzzle an opposing defense because that was part of the fun of, of watching his option over the last 11 years, the way it could frustrate defenses so routinely and get their heads spinning. And I'm really curious to see if he can dial it up one last time. Paul has been pretty consistent. He says this bowl is, is not about him. It's about the team and particularly the seniors. But uh, I think there would be a very fitting tribute, guys, if uh, Paul Johnson could finish off what was a, uh, a very decorated 11 years at Georgia Tech with one last win. And speaking of bewildering defenses, we saw Tech win six of their final eight games. And guys, you've been around college football long enough to know that that break between a game 12 and into the bowl game can be a little lengthy. How does that affect the momentum for Georgia Tech, you think? I think this is a, a, a very unusual set of circumstances. And it's one where so much has transpired since that last game that it's easy to not only lose momentum, but get distracted. And, and hopefully the players aren't going through any of that because, you know, not only do you have the holidays, not only do you have graduation, uh, not only are you, you know, wrapping up the end of the year, but you're also dealing with the transition between administrations and, and trying to figure out um, how to rebound from that Georgia game. So I think there's going to be a lot for the, the Jackets to do. But, you know, I think this is a group that has shown uh, their ability to bounce back, you know, obviously what they did this season and going from one and three to finishing the season really on a hot streak up until that last game, that I think shows an incredible amount of mental and emotional fortitude. And I think uh, this is a team that's more than capable of making that jump. Now, hopefully uh, it hasn't been too much time to cool off because if you look back on some of those games in that winning streak, you know, the Louisville or the Virginia Techs or, or Bowling Green games, um, they really had a lot going, and this is an offense that can be incredibly explosive. So to Andy's point, this is one last chance to see this option in action, and if it's firing on all cylinders like it has been at certain points this season, that could be a very fun way to send Coach Johnson out. And in Minnesota, if you look at the numbers, they've been very erratic in their ability to stop the football and, and not allow chunk plays, which we know Georgia Tech can, can do on a routine basis, as we've seen this year. Uh, but just going back to the resilience of this team to battle back from a 1-3 and three start, I think uh, they might have to tap into that resilience in warding off the distractions and shaking off whatever rust might have accumulated in this four-week stretch between the last regular season game and the bowl game. But we saw that they have plentiful resilience uh, to win six of seven heading into the last week of the regular season. And I think that's a good trait to have is 
you're looking to uh, give yourself one last good performance uh, coming off a long layoff in the bowl game. And and one other point just to bring up, you know, everyone talks about getting rusty during that stretch where it, maybe there's been too much time off. It's also a chance to rest up, to get healthy, to get back to full speed. Uh, there's going to be an opportunity to work in some of the freshmen who haven't played their full allotment of four games, who can still preserve their red shirts and who have time to become part of that game plan. So with that extra preparation, this is a chance to really see what the team can do uh, kind of with a clean slate all over again. And one of the things, as you look back on that last game of the season against Georgia, this Tech team looked like it had put everything it had into that stretch where they were just winning games. Um, and I think that that took a lot of energy to do. And so I'll be uh, hoping to see them re-energized on December 26th. Guys, you all have answered a lot of questions uh, over the past several weeks talking about Tech football. And so I want to wrap up with this one. Still with four quarters left to play uh, in Detroit next week, but to this point, what has been the highlight of the season? It can be a single play, a single game, a single moment, however you want to define it. But I'm curious for each of you individually, what has been the highlight of the 2018 football season? For me, the atmospheres for the Miami and Virginia games were electric, and the way Georgia Tech was able to grind out those wins, close them out to ramp up a fifth ACC win, that was special. But I think back to that Thursday night in Blacksburg, and while Virginia Tech's defense wasn't nearly as vaunted as it historically has been under Bud Foster, for Georgia Tech to go into a place where so few teams have success, to ring up 49 points with a backup quarterback, and for the scheme to be so overwhelming on national television against the Hokies, uh, that to me was maybe the best singular performance of Georgia Tech this year, the, the setting in which they did it, playing with a backup quarterback, kind of deja vu to Matthew Jordan in 2016 at Lane Stadium. To me, that was my favorite highlight of this 2018 season. I think I have to look at that Virginia game and just the way that finished, uh, the, all the ups and downs of it, having Wesley Wells come in and kick what looked to be the go-ahead uh, or, or was the go-ahead, looked to be the game-winning field goal, only the, to then have Virginia come back and kick their field goal. And just the, the amount of drama and the atmosphere that night, that was spectacular. I think if you're looking for a dramatic and just kind of uh, edge-of-your-seat sort of highlight for the season, that has to be it. On the flip side, on a pure entertainment level, that Louisville game was awfully fun. Um, and anytime you can just march up and down the field at will and score on every possession, uh, as a former offensive player, it warmed my heart. Uh, and, and maybe that's a cold, dark heart in this particular case because of the beatdown <laughs> the Tech put on on the Cardinals. But games like that are really fun. Um, but if you're looking for just the the high emotional peaks of the season, I think the, the Virginia game probably takes the cake. I think for me, it's going to have to be Miami. That just reminded me so much of Coach Johnson's early years, that whiteout in 2008, uh, the night win over Virginia Tech in 2009, and, of course, Miami in 2014. For me, it was kind of one last uh, night game at Bobby Dodd uh, to win and defeat an opponent that Tech had struggled with the last couple of years. Well, guys, thanks so much for the time, and we look forward to hearing you one final time on the football airwaves next Wednesday, a 3 o'clock airtime for our pregame show, and 5.15 toe meets leather. That was Sean Bedford, Andy Demetra, and thanks again for joining us all season long on From the Flats. We'll be back soon with another episode in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast, brought to you by AT&T, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network on game day for live coverage, and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.